Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome to Nerdist Podcast number 702, a very special episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Not, I mean, not like, not like a must-see TV, very special episode where uh, some morality lesson is taught through a tragedy that happens to an otherwise fun-loving group of people that teaches us about stranger danger. No, not that type of very special episode. Uh, this is one of our, this is the first of our two San Diego Comic-Con episodes uh, with Peter Capaldi and Sir Ben Kingsley. Um, as I said, this episode is uh, Peter Capaldi, who, you know, Doctor Who is coming back in the fall, and um, it's uh, back in September, and... Just being able to, well, you know, I'll tell you what, rather than take up all the time in the intro so I can just get you to the podcast, we'll cover this in a hostful next week. We'll do our sort of Comic-Con wrap-up next week. Matt, Matt's in Finland right now, and uh, Jonah's running around doing stuff, so we'll do that when we're all back together next week. And also, Sir Ben Kingsley, who was unbelievable, and this was this turned out to be such a wonderfully philosophical episode from uh, an incredibly thoughtful and wise and talented man. Ben Kingsley, like both of them, Capaldi and Kingsley, you will just want to follow them around all day and just poke them and ask them questions about stuff, uh, because they were both fantastic. Uh, Sir Ben is promoting Selfless, which is in theaters and now, which also stars Ryan Reynolds, uh, who was also rad if you saw the Deadpool trailer, which destroyed. We'll talk about that next week. And uh, and listen to this episode of the Nerds Podcast right now. There's a Quement section at the end, and I think it, it came together really nicely. I was so happy with the way both episodes of the podcast turned out. The fans were great, and the guests were phenomenal, and, and it was, the shows were uh, super fun. So this is we realized this was our fifth year of doing podcasts at San Diego Comic-Con, so hopefully we will continue to do them. Thank you for being part of the tradition, and here's the Nerds Podcast number 702 with Sir Ben Kingsley and Peter Capaldi. Now entering Nerdist.com. It it turns out it's not that easy to get here from Hall H uh, on the Saturday of Comic-Con. You'd think it would just be a quick, it's just right over there, but no. Uh, so, welcome. Thank you for your patience. I literally just ran off stage on the Fox panel, and we had every superhero. It was all, oh, yeah, that's how I like it. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, what You're was just the, back there. When I come on stage, their mics go just a little bit What down. was the big announcement? 
Uh, well, first of all, they showed a bunch of everything. We saw footage from Victor Frankenstein. Uh, we saw footage from the Maze Runner. I heard the Deadpool shit looked good. Deadpool? The audience loved Deadpool so much, they jumped to their feet and demanded to see it again. And even though they were like, we're running long on time, I was like, well, fuck it. I have a microphone. Play it again. It looks so good. People went bananas, and the X-Men Apocalypse looks incredible. And so it was just like all of the, this, like, this huge panel of X-Men. And so at the very end, which I just posted on the way over here, I took a picture of, the, of Wolverine, Fantastic Four, X-Men Apocalypse, and Deadpool all came out. And Channing Tatum was there as Gambit, and then, um, and then Stan Lee. So I got all of them in one picture. Uh, so that was pretty, pretty epic. Uh, All right. It looks like we're ready to go, Chris. I am so... Uh, thank you for letting me come out late. Uh, I'm not trying to be... It's a, okay. A, we were uh, really running out of steam. What? We, but we did uh, go to a, Listen uh, to Matt and Jonah and their new podcast, Running, running out, out of Steam. steam. <laughs> I am so honored that this man has agreed to do our podcast. He is raising the bar for us. Would you please help me welcome to the stage, Sir Ben Kingsley! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, let's have you sit here, I guess. Oh my gosh. I, my first question is how did we get you? I was invited. <laughs> <laughs> how many, how many Comic Cons have you been to? I think this is number two. This is your second Comic-Con. What was the one you were here for first? I can't remember. Okay. Does, what was it? Last year, Box Rolls. Yes, it oh, was. Oh, for Box Rolls. Yes, oh, it fantastic. was. Why'd you have your publicist sit in the back? <laughs> it, it is Comic-Con. I figured someone in the audience would probably know that information. I think probably why I didn't immediately remember is that uh, in Box Trolls, I'm not physically in the film. It's right. just, just my voice. Yeah. So, um, would you like to hear my Box Trolls? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Does that make you feel a bit frightened? <laughs> <laughs> Did you, 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 I mean, when, what was your very first acting job? What was the very first thing that you ever did? Um, golly, I might have been at school. Yeah, it was an American play called Tar- Tar- <laughs> Yeah, Tennessee Williams. Now see if see if I get another year on the author of the play. Um, Thornton Wilder. Yes. And the play was called Our Town. Of course. And I played Cy Crowell, the newspaper boy. <laughs> and as the newspaper boy, you said, I think this is it. I think this is the profession. I think I felt that sort of, you know, tingle of power. Yeah. <laughs> as I threw the newspaper across the stage. <laughs> yeah. Is there any of that? I mean, do you really, when you're doing theater, you, and obviously here, there's 1,200 people here. And there is an addictive quality to it. There's nothing... I mean, you can do... You know, of course, you've done some of the greatest films in the history of cinema, but there, there, there must be nothing like a live, a live theater experience. I, honestly, if I, if I think of theater... If I were a painter, I would describe theater as a as landscape painting. Yeah. And, and now uh, I'm a cinema actor, 
It's portrait painting. I just concentrate and focus on the portrait of that individual, and I really love it. I haven't been on stage for 18 years now. Oh, wow. Um, and, it, and before that, there was about an 18-year gap. I very, very rarely do theatre now. It was a good play. It was Waiting for Godot. Godot, sorry, as you say. <laughs> by, uh, by Samuel Beckett. Waiting for Godot. Yep, that's the one. That's the one. Keep... Put, you know, keep coming in with those, please. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for Godot, our town. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's all I got. <laughs> Just those two. I mean, it's, what, part of, uh, what part of England did you grow up in? Um, north of England, Yorkshire. And then... Um, oh. Tremendous pudding up there. And then... And then yeah, come, keep, yeah. Keep no, around. tremendous. Thank you. <laughs> And then I moved to uh, across the range of hills called the Pennines, and I moved to Lancashire. Went to Manchester Grammar School. Nothing. Nothing. That was it. Not one old Mancunian in the audience. <laughs> I'm surprised. Last year it was all that was here, and then this year I guess they feel like they saw it, so they didn't show up this time. But I mean, did you? When did it occur to you? At what time did it occur to you that this is something that you could do? This is something that you could do as a profession? Or, or did well, it ever? could do. I'm not so sure. But <laughs> I, I, I was compelled to... No, I haven't finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was compelled to become an actor when I was very, very young, maybe six or seven. And I went to the, I went to the local cinema and I saw a most beautiful film called Never Take No for an Answer. It was about a little Italian boy, and all he had in the world, he was an orphan, all he was left with was his donkey, and, and he was the, like, like the village taxi, the village haulage company. The, him and his donkey were, were, were adored by the village, the Italian village. The donkey became very sick, and it, it, again, you know, it's all the little boy had. And the little boy, in order to save the donkey's life, get him healed by St. Francis needed permission to demolish the wall of the chapel to get the donkey in to be blessed. And priest after priest after Monsignor after Cardinal refused to knock the wall down. So he breaks into the Vatican, gets to the Pope, and all you see is the wonderful hand going bang on the papal seal, handing the boy the... the it's, it's really intensely moving, handing the boy the letter of approval... And the last scene in the film is the little boy who looked exactly like me as a seven-year-old. We could have been twins. Um, taking, leading the donkey into the chapel with the shafts of light coming in through the window and the, and the music. And I was in floods of tears. And um, I looked so like the little boy in the film that the theatre manager thought I was the little boy lifted me up above the audience <laughs> and said, it's little Pepito, it's little Pepito. And I thought, I could get used to this. <laughs> and that's when you stole the identity of the real Ben Kingsley. That's right. <laughs> So it's just, right. uh, just your average religious donkey heist movie. That's uh, right. Yeah. Have you, seen, you, have you know, gone back to watch it? You know, I told this story to my, one of my heroes, Martin Scorsese, when we were working on Hugo. Yeah. And he, um, he and I exchanged uh, memories of, uh, early memories of cinema. 
And he himself remembers seeing the same film and in my trailer, the next day on my trailer, worktop was a copy of the film. Oh, wow. So I can watch the DVD now. And I had the same feelings when I watched it as a seven-year-old and I, I had the same feelings watching it again. Very moving, very sweet film. What happened to the to the actor who played Pepito? I don't know. I don't think he grew up to. I I stole his identity. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ruthless business. It is. You know, you gotta. It's all. You just gotta get to the top, baby. But I um. Comic Con is all about fandom, and I think you probably get a sense of that when you're here. Mm-hmm. And so, who are, are there people that still, you know, make you nervous to meet or fan out to meet? Because we all, everyone, no matter what level, being backstage at Hall H, no matter how famous or successful people are, you still see them go, oh my God, that's so and so. Oh my God, that's so and so. I mean, do you, do you still get those moments? I was working opposite, as close to me as you are now, Anthony Hopkins. And I nearly stopped breathing. <laughs> it was, we had this fantastic scene together in a film called Autobahn, which will come out soon. And there I was, opposite Tony. He was acting with me. <laughs> I, don't, I can't breathe. There's no air going in and out. And I can't breathe. I've got to say something soon, so I better say something. Quickly. So I said it, come out. Like that. Tony Hopkins. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad Tony Hopkins right there. He might have been feeling the same thing about you, though. Maybe. It was a little bit like, you know, like doing that across the table. You guys me. had a night off? <laughs> Sorry? You're both knights, aren't you? You're both sirs. Yes. yes. Did you, do you guys, like, talk about that? Is there, like, a meeting where you guys get together around a table? <laughs> Maybe, the like, round a, table? like, a round table? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god He's putting up the castle walls I've been trying to <laughs> We're gonna have to storm it Yeah I told you the plan wasn't gonna work Oh So Ben Kingsley does not appreciate the presence of your company <laughs> Way to blow it for me Matt Sorry Jonah <laughs> We'll just hang out <laughs> Guess it's back to the pub to figure out another plan. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff, all the accolades. I mean, it's, it's such a strange... It must be such a strange layer to everything, right? Because you're, you, want to, you want to be an actor. You, just, you want to be an actor. And then people pile all these you know, wonderful honors upon you for, as a reward for your work. And does it screw with your head at all? I'm completely detached from that side of the career. I am so privileged to be a storyteller... I, I honestly believe that storytelling is healing. I honestly believe that it's absolutely central to our survival as, as human beings. And I'm... Thanks. I'm deeply privileged to be a storyteller. The rest, the rest makes it simpler sometimes to get my stories across. Um, helps me reach an audience in a way that's huge and un, uncluttered and, and beautiful. I, I, I remember um, some, many, many instances where strangers have approached me. The first one was very clear, um, but it's, I won't particularly go into that story. But a similar story 
happened when I was um, in a big shopping mall in L.A. And an Iranian family, this is after the House of Sand and Fog, and an Iranian family came towards me, and the girl, almost with tears in her eyes, said, how did you know about our uncle? Oh, wow. Which is beautiful. If you can reach out, to, I think that acting at its finest and storytelling is at its finest is when you have an opportunity to reach out to somebody and say, I know, I know. It's very comforting. So how do you... And of course I love all the rest. I love show business. I love song and dance. I love, I love craziness. But at the center of it, I think, is something really special. And how do you get to that without being aware of what you're doing? And when you know that this, there's this bigger idea in your head of, you know, I want to reach out and talk to people and share stories with them, how do you get that out of the way and just, and just do the job? Um, I think when, when, you, when you face-to-face with, with, the, with your colleagues, with your actors, and they're totally enthused by the story, uh, when you are aware of the responsibility of a storyteller and in the hands of a great director with a wonderful script, you are locked into that moment and it's the most extraordinary, private, sublime moment ever. Between action and cut, they are extraordinary moments. And all the rest recedes. And then when you are portraying people who exist or have existed hmm. in the world, is there, how much more preparation is there? Or do you prefer that to actually just sort of building a character from the ground? I mean, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, particularly with some of the roles that you've had. Yeah, um, I, try and, I try and bring a genuine pattern of human behavior to everybody I play, so that whether he, I haven't played a she yet, but <laughs> fingers crossed, um, whether he is from history or fiction, I have to make incredible... I mean, the guy I played who reminded this lovely girl of her Iranian uncle was a piece of fiction, but he was such a pure example of his group that he could have... You know, he, he felt very real to me. Yeah. Uh, so um, the historical responsibility is there when there are... In fact, recently I, I did portray a man who was, came onto the film set... And he was a, an extraordinary man. And I was playing him as he was being liberated from Mauthausen concentration camp. The man's name is Simon Wiesenthal. He was wow. the greatest Nazi hunter in the world. And I, I met Simon in Vienna. We had lunch together in Vienna. And then later on we were filming in Budapest and we recreated Mauthausen concentration camp. And the, it was liberated by the Americans, God bless them. And major Harcourt jeeps came tearing into this compound. And I, as Simon Wiesenthal, was almost dead and had in my hands fragments of evidence of the atrocities because he drew everything on scraps of paper. And I got to the center of the courtyard and collapsed. As an actor, I was supposed to collapse dead. And then after this, we finished the sequence, the director shouted, cut. And I stood up from the dust and looked across, and there was Simon wiping tears from his face and smiling at me at the same time. Extraordinary moment. Wow. So to convey him was a great privilege because um, every time that I have the privilege, and I am not, I'm not saying this lightly, and I know that, the audience will forgive me. 
um, and understand. Every time I've had the privilege of wearing a yellow star in a film, it, for me, is a blow against those who say it never happened and is a, and is a blow against people forgetting. And it is something that must never be forgotten, may never be forgiven, and may never be understood. How do, you, how do you personally know when you're, when you're getting it right? I, I'm, I'm always puzzled, like, acting to me is such a foreign language because it, it seems like you can do a version of, oh, I think I'm acting right now, but maybe I'm not supposed to feel like I'm doing anything. Or, so I, I, what, what aligns in you that makes you feel like this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Gosh, that's a very good question. Um... <laughs> I think it's a total letting go. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an odd balance between doing precisely what you need to do to tell the story and then letting go of, of, of oh, it's a very difficult question to answer. Sure. No. Uh, le- it's a tightrope. It, it's letting go of, of the ego, if you like, which for an actor is extremely difficult sure. to do. Uh, and then being at one with your fellow actor and, and, and with the moment. Uh, when, I, when I watch movies that I've been in, uh, maybe for in a 90-minute movie, maybe there are 45 seconds of me where I say, ah, now nah, you've, you've let go. Really? Oh, tiny, tiny fragments. So are there, fi- are there films which people watch and they consider like, oh, well, this is one of the great pieces of cinema, and they see your performance, like, oh, you were so... And in your head, you're going, nah, I don't think I nailed it. Is that, is that, is that happening? Are you aware, Afterwards, do you... Do you... Well, I, I certainly have been to... Uh, I've, I've visited friends backstage when they've been in a play. Yeah. Um, my most recent visit to the, to the theater, by the way, was to see Elephant Man with uh, Bradley Cooper and, oh, wow. uh, and yeah. Patricia Clarkson. They were yeah. extraordinary. But I have been backstage, and, and congr- my son, yeah, Ferdinand, he's a, he's a great actor. And I went backstage to congratulate him on Man and Superman, which starred, starred Ray Fiennes in mm-hmm. the West End of London. And I said, oh, Ferdy, you're crushing his ribs and hugging him and thanking him. He said, oh, I don't know, it wasn't that great tonight, Dad. And I thought, well, nobody knows. <laughs> you know, nobody, only you are measuring yourself, and even you don't know. Even the actor himself or herself doesn't really know. It's a very odd process. It's a very odd dance. Yeah, because you, I, I feel like part of what makes you a performer is a bit of an ego. Like, of course. You, of course, it's a bit of an ego. There's a draw to it, you know? It's a strange thing to do, to do what, what performers do. And that's the same struggle that you have to figure out how to get that out of the way to do the thing where people don't see the ego part. I think, you know, to simplify it, although it's a phrase that's very hard to understand and translate into action, it's just being present. And I'm still learning what that means because it's, it's a hard one to pinpoint. But to be... Alert and present. Even in life, too. Oh, it, acting is a great lesson for life. Yeah. <laughs> it's good practice for life. <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, favorite movies of all time is uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Wow. Which is One of mine, too. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. yeah. That movie... Really love it. Is such a, I was a chess player in school. In, gra- in grade school, I was a chess player. I played tournament chess. And uh, it's like... there. 
especially like the other kid that he faces up against at the end. Yes. I played douchey little kids like that all yes. the time. Yes. And <laughs> and I so I, th- th- this one moment of the movie just reverberates in my head where Josh says to the kid, "You've lost. You just don't know it yet." Like that yes, to me. Yes. 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 It's like I always wanted to have. Yes. And he says it with great compassion. With compassion, he doesn't yeah. want to beat him. He wants yeah. to offer him a draw. Yeah, that's right. And the kid's a dick, and he won't yeah. take the draw. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. "I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna fucking trash you then," yeah. and he does yeah. it. Pardon my horrible language, uh, <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley. But uh, <laughs> but that. That movie, that's such a wonderful story. And so, you know, so how do you come into a movie like that? And because obviously it's about, this, it's about this child, you know, and you're, you're trying to guide him through and you're trying to support him. So wh- where do you fit in when you're not the, you know, the focal point of the story? How do you come in and support something like that? You have to have a narrative function. You're absolutely right. To, to enhance the story of the hero or heroine who is at the center of the story. So that my narrative function, let's, let's say it's a beautiful myth uh, about uh, a little boy with a magic sword instead of a chessboard, and he has to defeat invisible enemies with the magic sword, um, but he doesn't quite know how to hold it. So I would be, in that story, the dad would be the king, the mum would be the queen, and I would be the wizard. And I would be the wizard who teaches him how to see through the, the, the maze and see through clearly. It's like when I knock the chess pieces yeah. off the chessboard and say, look deep, Josh. Um, but, and also, one of the... Because I like to have a fragment of information in my back pocket as an actor so I can always refer to it. And it focuses me and centers me. And when I, when I saw the film in its completion, I realized, I realized that my favorite moment in the film is not one of my moments. I'm not even on the screen. But it, 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 does, it did become the driving force behind the film. And it's um, when Joe Montagna says to the teacher in the classroom, and I always choke up when I hear him say it, my son will be better at this than you will ever be at anything in your entire life. <laughs> and I think, there's a dad. Yeah. <laughs> there's a dad. And are you... You're connecting with that as a father. I'm connecting with that as a son who never had a father like that. Yeah. Mm. As a son who never heard his father speak with pride about me, ever. Really? Yeah. And so... So I realized that there was a vacuum in me that needed to be filled. And sometimes I think that as well as hopefully helping my audience to comprehend life, I'm also filling in some empty spaces. So that when I hear that line spoken by a great father, I'm then, I then think, well, the great patriarchal figures that I've played... Simon Wiesenthal, Isaac Stern, Otto Frank, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, the, the, these are all dads, in a way. Uh, searching for Bobby Fischer, Bruce Pendlefinger. He was a father figure. Um, so in a sense, I've invented a dad inside me that fathers me and then also presents a dad to the audience. It, it's the kind of ideal father that I would have wished for, but he never quite 
got there. Yeah, and, and when you're... Was, my dad had the same experience with his dad. My grandfather was mm-hmm. uh, kind of a jerk to my dad. And then, but he, rather than re-expressing that, went the opposite direction and made sure that I knew I was loved all the time. Well, that's what I do, yes. And so, and so you know, was that a conscious decision in your life? Where you, when I have a son someday, I'm going to make sure that, it, that this is not repeat again. I think you have to break... There are family demons, family patterns that can be handed down like a like a disease from generation to generation, and sometimes it's extremely hard to break old patterns. Because you, you, you don't know to, they're happening. No, you don't. You, they creep up on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I, uh, I am a dad, and I, my children know that I'm, they're loved by me. Well, then you made it right. Like, you I were able so. to make yeah. it right. So and, far, so good. And when you look back at... All, it's interesting to hear you say that there was this, you know, sort of unseen connection point for all these roles that you're taking, that you probably maybe weren't even consciously aware of I until. Think I was. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So around when did you start to realize? Oh, okay. There seems to be a pattern here. Um, I think having conversations like this revealed to me a pattern. Because I, I don't really look back. I don't, I'm not very reflective. But when I, when I have a chance to... Um, Take down the wall. Thank you. Yep. When I, <laughs> oh, we're back God. in, Matt. The <laughs> plan worked. <laughs> when I have a chance to reflect uh, in company and publicly, I do, I do, you know, I do see patterns. But I don't norm, I'm not normally very reflective. Yeah. You're here, uh, the movie you're promoting here is Selfless. Yes. Uh, yes, which Ryan Reynolds is also in. Right. Who just, I just saw on the Deadpool panel. And uh, so, did, did, yes, of course, please. Uh, so, what was it about this movie that made you want to do it? Do you hope to be rich enough one day to buy a younger body? Because you know, you know that's what we all hope for. You know... That's what we all hope for, is like, people are constantly borrowing against future happiness, and you make unhealthy decisions when you're young, so you're like, ah, fuck that older guy, he, let him deal with it, and you just keep hoping, you cross your fingers, we're like, come on, science! Come on, science! There's gonna be a pill! Well, every year I'm on the Comic-Con floor, the 3D printing gets better and better. <laughs> so how much responsive... How much responsibility do you think you have? Philosophically, how much responsibility do you think we have with science? Do you think it's... Do you think this is something that we should be toying with? If we can conceive it, why shouldn't we consume it? Or do you feel like, you know what? Maybe people should... Maybe everyone has their time and that's it. I think the latter. I think that um, um, all the great expressions that have come out of us as humans... Um, monumental expressions and and smaller, more intimate expressions, um, love and the building of the pyramids are related. Love and the Taj Mahal are related. These extraordinary expressions, but they are expressions of mortality. And we do, I think it's quite beautiful how we race against time to try and complete our journey. And I'm wondering if, if, if some magic wand, you know, uh, told me, well, there actually isn't an end to the journey. I think a lot of my drive would go. Sure. It would disappear because I think there's something beautiful about... More, and it's an odd thing to say, but I think there's something beautiful about mortality. 
However, um, <laughs> Tarsem Singh and his film Selfless. Tarsem Singh is of obviously of Indian origin, and a lot of the Indian philosophy is related to reincarnation. And he has made a film as a director of Indian origin about reincarnation. And I, I found that fascinating, and that, that's really what drew me to the, to the project. That, in fact, in the film, I, I think uh, you know, Ryan uh, will agree, that the gift of immortality poses terrible challenges and problems. And you yearn to, for that mortality, I think. Do you feel like, uh, are there many more stories that, you're, that are swirling around in your head that you want? Are there things that you haven't done yet? We're like, oh, I've done this and this and this, but there's that still. Well, I have a huge respect for the military, and I've never portrayed a man in uniform who has to take enormous decisions, and I'm hoping that, I'm developing that, I'm hoping I'll have an opportunity to do that. I also love being surprised, I was completely surprised by Sexy Beast when I read the script. Right, of course. And, I, and I, I, I opened the, the first couple of pages and I, I realized, there he is, there he is, there's the guy, that, this is my next, that, that's exactly what I need to do right now. I love being surprised. Also love working with first-time directors. Jonathan Glazer, his first feature. House of Sand and Fog, Vadim Peremlin, his first feature. Extraordinary. Why do you like working with first-time directors? Because it's very exciting being with someone taking their first steps who don't know the rules and therefore don't know the limits. And, uh, very paternal. Very paternal. <laughs> <laughs> very paternal. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about the thing that you did with Anthony Hopkins? Are you allowed to talk, say anything about that? You said that was coming out soon. Yeah, um, again, if I can turn it into a sort of fairy story myth. Please. Um, the, the young, I think you're in the right, right place crowd. for that, actually. <laughs> right crowd. Are there dragons? There, in a sense, yes. Okay, there, good. There, there is, a, a, it's, it all takes place in, you know, in and around automobiles on the German freeway, the Autobahn. Um, the young hero is, is in love with a girl who's dying. And he has broken free of crime. So the young hero, in order to save the girl's life, has to go back into hell and then re-emerge from hell to save her life. And there are two demons in hell, one played by Anthony Hopkins, one played by me. Uh, Tony's more the bringer of darkness, and I am the bringer of light. I am a gangster. I'm a Turkish gangster. I'm a drug addict. I keep uh, a, a brothel. I keep whores and racehorses. <laughs> but you're and, totally against studying out the racehorses for some weird reason. <laughs> we can't. We can't do that. It sounds a little bit like Persephone, like the tale of Persephone, of like very, going back yes, into the underworld. Is, I love scripts that have an echo of the very original old stories in them. I love them. Yeah. And then finally, is it? Do you have some? Wi- in our social media rich age, where we are constantly communicating with one another, we are constantly telling each other how we feel about things, even when we didn't ask. Do you, do you have advice for people? Do you have some wisdom about um, just dealing with negativity? Like dealing with 
you know, ne- negative influences and, you know, when people say things, I mean, are you, are you good with that stuff now? Do you have a place where you go, you're like, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter? Or are you able, you know, is it something that you overcame? Do you have some wisdom for that for everyone? I don't have any wisdom. I have a theory um, that um, there is no light without shadow. Um, light and shade. And they do come... Uh, the universe loves symmetry. And if you have a dark moment, I can guarantee you'll have a light moment. If you can somehow uh, acknowledge the dark moment and understand that it's part of a pattern, I can absolutely assure you that the light moment will come. Enjoy the light moment because I'm afraid I have also tell you that the shadow will come as well. It's alternating. It's, it's a great writer described it as a, a black and silver thread woven together and pulled taut. And, and it, 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 for me, that is very much um, how I see life. Sometimes it doesn't uh, help me cope with it, but I can sometimes pull back and see the bigger picture. It is light and shade, light and shade. So um, I, I personally don't think that getting out of negativity is helped by thinking positively. You have to, because that seems to be, you're in denial of the fact that it's negative. I think if you accept that it's negative, you stand much more chance of the light coming in. Can I just follow you that around and ask be, you questions all day? That would be $500, please. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Ben King, Sir Ben Kingsley was gracious enough uh, to give us a half hour of his time, but he still has another place that he has to be uh, on this whirlwind tour. But I am, I am so moved and, and, and honored that we were able to share this with these people. Because we do more of these. We don't do a lot of these in front of live audiences. So this was a very special moment. Can I please have a huge hand for Mr. Sir Ben Kingsley? Thank you. Wonderful audience. And then, may we take a picture with you? Okay. Yeah. You guys want to... Thank you so much. Yeah, it's the party Welcome back to the Matt and Jonah Show. Oh, Boston, time-traveling Boston Batman has been through a lot. Oh, boy. I can't tell you how stupid I felt when he was being, like, all wisdomful, and I was like, man, we just did ten minutes on a Boston Boston time-traveling Batman. Feel real dumb. And And this guy has life lessons. Yeah. Yeah, He really iced you out with that water bridge. It was so funny. That was funny to me. That was fine. I'll sit back and watch you. You're awesome. No, no, I'm not saying it was, but you seemed pretty defensive. You're like, it's fine. I don't care. I didn't give a shit. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, was gonna, I, mean, I didn't worry about it at all. I didn't think anything of it. I'm not going to kill myself later. Yeah. Hey, did, did Chris literally just go and follow I around think... to ask some questions? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, thought he, I thought he was joking. I think that's sort of the move now. Chris yeah. now has to... He's actually at a different panel. Yeah. He went back Chris to Chris Harper, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I just... Uh... I just hosted another panel. It was amazing. Oh, my God. That's how I... Who was there this time? No, I, so we have, this, we have this guest book. We have our, we have our guest book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gen- Chewy, yeah. We have the, Chew- the Chewbucca, we call it. And um, 
It was Jennifer Morrison's idea, Jennifer Morrison, for Once Upon a Time, when she came on, I had been sent this book, and I said, I don't know what to do with it, and she was like, you should just have everyone sign it that's been on the podcast, and I was like, oh my god, and then we can give it away to charity, and so this book has, and, and yesterday, at the Star Wars panel, the last signature in the book is Harrison Ford. Oh, shit. And, um... And, and it was a begrudging signature. No, he was so nice you yesterday. You want to sign this kid? <laughs> yeah. That was he just really good. A- What'd you do with my friend? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he the skin of your book? I fly yeah. planes. <laughs> Get out of my way, Bookie. <laughs> oh, that was good. He was Get out Sir of my way, Ben Bookie. Kingsley's water. Give is now dad. my dad's. <laughs> <laughs> Put it next to the tissue of Sir Paul McCartney. He's got to slip that in his pocket. So I, I, went, I went back to ask uh, Sir Ben to sign the book, and so he, he signed the book. Did he put it on Harrison's page and bid, like, the Ender's Game page? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> didn't do that. But, uh, and then also, I had, and Peter Mayhew signed it, too, even though he wasn't on the podcast. We're like, you have to have Peter Mayhew sign the Chewbacca book. Yeah, so you do. I got, I got shoved in a car with him to get out of Hall H. I was just there with Peter Mayhew and his wife and their friend... And oh she was God. like, we love The Walking Dead. I'm like, this Peter fucking Mayhew. Like, I was... <laughs> and he was really funny. And she was like, you should ask him to sign your book. And he was like, ah, uh, Peter's not up here at the moment. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll just set this book here if Peter shows up. And he's like, I'll ask him. And then he signed it. Who was up there? <laughs> Everything's fine, Mrs. Torres. <laughs> I am, um... I'm very, I'm very honored to bring out our next guest because I've gotten to do a few things with him. And, you know, you never know when the new guy takes over if he's, if he's going to, you know, maybe he's like, ah, oh, this is just a job. But I've, I can tell you, having spent uh, quite a bit of time with this gentleman, he is lovely and every bit as much of a fan as you are. I am honored to welcome the 12th Dr. Peter Capaldi! Welcome. <laughs> this is uh, this has been a crazy couple of days for you, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, but very, very pleasant, very delightful. Uh, I uh, arrived on Monday and really spent two days locked in a hotel room doing press. Uh, and people kept saying to me, "Are you nervous about what's going to happen out there?" And the more they said that, the more nervous I would get. Uh, and I would look out the window and I would just gradually see someone arriving dressed as Yoda. You know, <laughs> I thought, I really want to go out there. I really want to go out and meet everyone and be part of all this. And they said, you can't, you can't, you can't. Uh, and, but then the night before our panel, I thought, I, I said to the security guys, put yourself in my shoes. <laughs> you know, you're playing an iconic um, character of this nature, you know, Doctor Who. Go, let me go out there. So they let me go out and like, one little kid came and said hello, and that was it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God, this is the way it's going to go. And then another one came, and then some guys came, and some gals came. And gradually, there was just a whole pile of people around me. And then we sort of kept wandering and wandered down to the line. Uh, I met everybody queuing up there. 
And that was fabulous. I've never seen anything like that before. Is this you your know? first Comic-Con? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, this is a... Imagine, like, being at your first Comic-Con, but now you're fucking Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, No, I can't literally imagine that. Holy shit. I'd like to. Yes. But it was funny, because I drove around today, and I I thought... I saw people enjoying themselves all over the place, and they were dressed up as stormtroopers and stuff. I thought, boy, if I was 25... You know, if something like this had existed when I was 25, I would have so loved to have been here. But there's no better way to come than as yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I think I'm I'm positive I'm right about this. When you were around that age, weren't you in a band with Craig Ferguson? I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Craig Craig was the drummer. He's a very very good drummer. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, he used to make me laugh so much because well because he was funny, um, obviously. And uh, but he used to show. You know, this is how long so how long ago it was. We used to have pound notes, which you know one pound sterling. And he Craig used to live. He won't like me telling this story, but he. Uh, <laughs> used to live in a satellite town of Glasgow. Glasgow was the kind of industrial centre, and there's a smaller town outside that he lived in. And he used to work in the post office. What? Yeah. And he used to come and be with us and be in a punk band and stuff like that and do gigs and then have to get back and be in the post office the next morning. <laughs> and he always carried this little rolled-up pound, and that was his emergency pound. That was the emergency <laughs> pound, which was to buy his late-night bus ticket. Back to the time he lived Oh my god. So uh, what was the what was the band called? It had the worst name for a band ever. Uh, uh, it was called the Dream Boys. Which is <laughs> so yeah, I mean Okay. I have to tell you that like your setup to this, it's not gonna be that bad of a name, I'm thinking. And then you lay down the Dream Boys yeah. Yeah. and yes. I'm like, fuck he's right. That's yes. a terrible name. But it that was is... a punk band, right? It was, yeah, but we thought we were sort of slightly Kafka-esque and strange mm. and we were evoking nightmares, <laughs> not really thinking we were evoking, like, the Chippendales, <laughs> um, who were yet to come, who were yet to arrive. Oh, my God. Uh, what, what, were some of the, what were some of the Dream Boys songs? Songs. Well, this is, we, were, we were so kind of steeped in sort of uh, 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 B-movie culture. Uh, I had uh, a song called uh, The Outer Limits, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, which I remember had the line, uh, which I was very proud of. As, as a, I mean, the, you know, we were not very musical or very successful, uh, <laughs> mainly because of my lyric writing. And, and uh, I remember there was, there was a line in that that I was very proud of, which was, I didn't have the patience to live with those mutations. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. That's a good line. Thank That's you. a good line. Yeah. Did you, have you guys ever, you must have done Ferguson's show when he was in the yeah, Lakers yeah, show, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you great. guys play again together at that point? Did you even talk about playing together? Uh, no, we didn't, but he said to me, uh, when he said, do you mind, Peter, he said, when you come on, do you mind if I uh, tell everyone that we dropped acid together? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I, I suppose, I suppose that would be all right, uh, because uh, that's, that's what young people did. Uh, at that time, uh, when we were very young in, in, in Glasgow. Uh, so he did that. Uh, and, uh, and there was a rather uh, eggy moment like this one, and we moved on. Uh, <laughs> but I think, people, I think people assume, you know, I, just the idea of, like, we're going to go do acid with the Dream Boys. What? <laughs> you, come on, you, that tempts you. That's... <laughs> That's a good night out. <laughs> what, what ultimately... What ultimately broke up the band? 
Uh, uh, the we dream went, men came yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dream uh, boys to men? Yeah, I think we were pretty t- terrible, really. Everybody else we knew became successful, and we didn't. And we thought, well, this is not really going to work for us. And we all got interested. We got very interested in, uh, in, in, in comedy and acting and all that sort of stuff. So we sort of drifted off into those different areas. Yeah. And then was, were, you, were your first jobs comedy jobs? Is that, is that where you went first? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my first uh, real job, I was incredibly lucky, was uh, I, I was in a movie called uh, Local Hero, which, uh, 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 which had uh, Bart Lancaster in it. Wow. So I suddenly find myself m- moving from being with Craig and his emergency pound uh, uh, <laughs> to standing on a beach with Bart Lancaster. And his emergency 20-pound note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about Humphrey Bogart and, uh, and Marilyn Monroe. And, people, and I thought this is... Uh, uh, the, how I got that job was there was a guy who used to hang around uh, the bands uh, and he was a, a film director called Bill Forsyth uh, who was very gifted. Uh, and, he, and he came and saw me in the band and, and, and afterwards said, how would you like to be in a movie? And I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to do that. And uh, not realising that it was like a proper movie. Uh, and, that, and I was thinking, oh, maybe he's going to cast me as, I don't know, like a sort of Scottish Thomas Jerome Newton and the man who fell to earth or something. But no, it was just as a geek. <laughs> <laughs> it was a geeky guy. But what a, an incredible break that was. And I thought, this is fate telling me this is what I should pursue. Uh, and it was a wonderful experience. I mean, you, it, it's, I, I, watched, I watched the live stream of when they announced you as the doctor. Like, yeah. it, was, it was like, it was like a... Like a, 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 a papal ceremony, almost. It was uh, pretty weird. I mean, the thing is, that's not really my comfort zone. You know, really, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, an actor. That's what I'm used to. I'm, I'm used to acting with the camera and, and not being, you know, in show business. But, you know, I got this amazing job, which was being Doctor Who. And then the next thing they said to me was, we're going to announce it live on television and you have to be there. (laughs) We've Uh, just put white smoke into the stack. We have to announce (laughs) it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So they did this whole number. They took me to the studio, like, with a blanket over my head. You know, they took me, they drove me to a car park to to exchange, to get me into another car, to take me to the studio where I was taken with I, they said there were people waiting outside. I never saw that. I don't know whether there were people there or not. <laughs> whether or not it was just that all made up. But it was a fantastic experience. I love that the two things the whole of the UK will watch a live stream for is the announcement of the new Doctor Who or the announcement of Daniel Craig as James Bond. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so the two things are like, oh, we've got to find out who this well, then is. There, but then there's a whole Big Brother channel too, so it's that too. Yeah, it's true. like they watch Big Brother and then they watch the... But, but, you were so well known to come in to the doctor and, and previously, you know, I mean, except for Eccleston, you know, people didn't really, yeah. people were somewhat familiar with Tennant and, you yeah, know, yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't really know Matt before. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. What's your point? My point is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I've just been... uh, uh, No, no, I just saw in his eyes, I've just been doing interviews all day today, and, like, so many times I've got sort of lost in time and space. You know, you set off, you know, trying to say something, and you can't remember what the question is, and and I just saw that look in your eyes there. No, I... Do you know what it is? I I, I take on a lot at Comic-Con, but I'm so... I, I feel so present right now in this moment and it's so it's so surreal 
that all of a sudden you're here and they're here and we're just having a regular conversation, but there's a bunch of people there too. Have, yeah. you, been, have you been doing this all day? Yeah. 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 But you're the busiest man at Comic-Con. I, I'm, I get so I get, much stuff. No, I get, you are. It's great. I had to, today at uh, the Indigo Ballroom, I had to bail out Chris because he had to, he, we, we started the Nerdist panel, Chris hosted it, and I had to fill in for him because he had to run off to do Quentin Tarantino's panel. I did. <laughs> I did. Because you did how many panels this year? Uh, 11. I did 11. 11, 11 panels this year. But, it, but, it's, but I can't not. I mean, you feel the energy here. It's I mean, it's fabulous. Like, it's fabulous. And so, you know, I, I mean, Peter is, you know, one of the, it's like OG Doctor Who fanboy. And so you understand that if someone, when you were, you know, when you were first watching the show, if they were like, hey, we're going to let you be near this and a yeah. million other things that you are, are a huge fan of, you would go, well, fuck yeah, I got to do that. I have to do Absolutely, all that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you, you guys know about the letter that Peter wrote, right? Do you know the story? Do you still do you have the letter? Or do you just have a copy of the letter? No, uh, I. You know, I have to say, I wrote a lot of letters to uh, to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote to all the doctors. I wrote to the first four doctors and got replies from all of them. Oh wow! Yeah. Personal replies. From Personal them. replies, except for William Hartnell. Uh, not because he was dead, but because... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but because he wasn't very well. Sure. But his wife, but his wife replied to oh, me. Oh, that's... Uh, that's and, somehow uh, sweeter. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I always think, you know, it, it always goes through my head what it was like to be... You know, I'm still a fan. You know, and so um, I, I, the value of those autographs to me uh, was, was kind of priceless. You know, they were just really important. I know that they, they weren't much other than, uh, you know, a photo of a guy who was in a show that at that time wasn't, you know, the hot sort of uh, giant thing that it is now. And that they took the time and, and that they replied to me, um, I, I thought was really great. And... Um, and of course, when I was 17, I threw them all away. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Because I decided to become a punk then. And, 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 uh, <laughs> I dream don't need boys this anymore. I'm this. a dream boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's what happens. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I know what it's like to be a fan. I'm still a fan. And I, and, and, Does it I, bum you out now that you can't watch it because you've read the script? You're like, oh, I know what happens. I'm not going to watch this episode. <laughs> I find it difficult to watch me in it. Really? Because I find the sort of, uh, um, uh, the weight of it uh, is quite immense. And I sort of can't sort of believe that, that I'm actually playing. Is there any, uh, did you give yourself a chance to sort of try and detach from it and watch it and, and just sort of get to be a fan about it, regardless of the fact that you're sitting there driving the TARDIS? Yeah, yeah, eventually I did. Because also the, the, the gap between what we actually do, um, you know, I often see early cuts, but they are without CGI mm. and they're without the music and they're without any of the, the problems. I'm fighting a green thing again? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we yeah. got a CGI then. Yeah, no, yeah, I think it probably just yeah. a lot looked like, 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 like the original series. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I often think that because sometimes when, when we get on the set, it's not quite as cosmic looking as you would like it to sure, look. Yeah. Uh, and I always think about the, the original guys and how they, 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 they never wavered in their commitment to the program and in their commitment to the truth. 
You know, they might have the most unconvincing rubber monster and the most terrible sets that were shaken, but not for a second did they let you know that, that, that it wasn't real, that they weren't inhabiting every moment of that. And, you know, as an actor, you know, from any genre, uh, I think that's a great, great lesson. Yeah. You know, and also you watch someone like uh, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing never gave a bad performance in his life. He was in some movies that were really cheap and, 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 and not as good as he was. And, 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 but he never, ever, ever did anything that wasn't with great grace and truthfulness and commitment. And I think that those are great lessons for actors. I think genre stuff is, is sort of harder to do than straighter stuff. Because people think you just go and you just are a kid and you just play with the Daleks and you just play with the TARDIS. There is quite a lot of that goes on. (laughs) (laughs) But there comes a moment... You just bring a bowl of cream up to a Dalek and go, (laughs) look, it's a mixer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they have the little little mixer hands. That's why everyone's like... He's got a whisker. It's a whisker. It's a whisker on the little Dalek. has a little whisker, and you bring a bowl of cream up to it. Don't worry about it, Peter. All right, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, How do you like it, Matt? That's not great. You want to build a wall? I think we we call it a sink plunger. (laughs) Yes, okay, yes. That's right, yeah. But I did the same thing. You don't know what a sink plunger is? No, we have sink plungers here. We have drains. All right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's different. Uh, and, uh, we, we, we call them plungers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I did the same thing. I did a whole, what I thought was a funny routine about Daleks and sink plungers. And <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was a funny... <laughs> no, forgive me, I don't mean that, but I mean in front, no, of, a, in front of an American audience who sure. didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, no. So, so. What, what were the moments that you were talking about? <laughs> sorry, just I'm sorry. We're, we're lost in time and space again. No, you can get us back. Can we rewind? You're the doctor. <laughs> can we just go back? Yes, God damn it, yes. You, you were saying... There, there, you were saying... You're saying there are those moments, there are those moments, and when you get there, it doesn't feel, you know, but then you have those moments. I think that you have to be as committed to, uh, uh, to these stories and to this character as, you know, anything, uh, you know, that, that Ben was talking about. You know, you have to be that uh, 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 serious about it. I mean, it's a great, fun, fun job, but you have to make it alive. You are, and, and it's sort of my job to uh, make sure that the doctor remains a convincing being uh, who exists, you know, while the camera is turning. And that can be um, challenging because the scripts are uh, quite unique in the fact that they bounce from uh, the tragic to the comic uh, to the dramatic, you know, from, you know, almost from moment to moment. So, I mean, that was one of the things that really surprised me about it, uh, because I thought, you know, because I, you know, in my head been playing Doctor Who for many years, uh, <laughs> that actually the real thing uh, w- 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 was a much uh, tougher workout as an actor. Yeah. I, I, I remember where I was going earlier <laughs> with that point. Uh, and it was this. Wibbly wobbly. People, timey wimey. People, uh, people recognize you going into this role. So did you feel like there were expectations like, oh, we already know this guy, this is going to be great, or we already know this guy, this could be weird? Because, you know, because obviously you want to disappear in, into the role, but people know who you are. <clears throat> uh, no, I think uh, it's, it's, it was one of those situations where you just, and, and even 
you know, you know, I still do this. I don't sort of really uh, look down in the sense that I, I try not to be aware of the, how many people are watching or, 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 or the scale of it because I think that ultimately it's a very uh, intimate thing. You know, acting is you know, about making moments work even if it's with, you know, rubber spiders or, or, <laughs> or, or sets that shake or whatever. Uh, so I, would, I, I deliberately tried not to uh, connect with the scale of the show as it is. Uh, I just thought, I've got to, to play this character that I love and that I felt uh, a strong uh, bond with. I mean, I think that was one of the useful things about being a fan, was that uh, obviously I knew the history of the show and the canon and all that stuff, but that I had my own uh, very deep bond with the character, which uh, uh, doesn't leave me and stays with me uh, on the set and, and helps me, you know, in moments of, of trouble. And uh, somehow, somewhere, you sort of uh, find the Doctor. And he... The great thing about Doctor, the, the, the really striking thing about doing it is it's hard to talk about, but you know what is Doctor Who and what isn't Doctor Who. It tell, he tells you, the program tells you uh, what works and what doesn't. Uh, and it's very clear when something uh, uh, is Doctor Who or isn't. And uh, did you, since you would want to do this your entire life, I would imagine this was in the back of your, back of your head your entire life, you'd want to do this. What was the most surprising thing to you about it? Because things are never always what you think they're going to be when you, when you actually get in the position, right? Or did it fulfill everything? Well, I wasn't sort of... I didn't wake up every day as an adult actor saying, oh, it's another yeah. miserable day of not being Doctor Who. Matt Smith you know, again! Uh, you know, I didn't... You know, I spent... You had a sad daily calendar yeah, you written written up. That's right. Still not Doctor Who. And that's why you... I'm never going to go to the diary, July 31st. Oh, right. Still not Doctor Who. That's right. Uh, in... In World War Z, you played Who Doctor. The clue was right there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I've been, you know, I've been around for like 30 years acting, you know, and, and not being Doctor Who. And, and I had been in Doctor Who, so I sort of Fires thought, of Pompeii, right? Yeah, so yeah. I sort of thought that was my, that was my, as close I would, as I would get um, to it. And I loved that and enjoyed that. And David was fabulous, and it was wonderful to work with him. Karen Gillan was in that, too. That's right, yeah. yeah. I've forgotten the question. What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> Not because it wasn't a great question. No, I appreciate it. Was just because I've like done 200 interviews today. <laughs> I tell you, this is so relaxing. It's so nice to be here. Just to, just to have a conversation? It? Yeah, and not to have to have um, fun. <laughs> nice of you to come, Peter. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast. You don't have to have fun. <laughs> it's a know, really refreshing to just yeah. get to break it down and have a terrible time. <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's a lot of pressure to... To be on. Because people, you know... <laughs> well, honestly, short nuggets. You have to, like, really fucking pack it all into that little time you have with them. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys probably watch Thick of It, too, right? People watch yeah. that show. One of the first things you say in that series is one of my favorite images. Or I think it's something along the lines of, that's about as useful as a marzipan dildo. <laughs> Where did that... <laughs> Nucci. Well, that's written by the great uh, Armando Iannucci. Yeah. He does Veep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, one of his lines. But that was an amazing 
show to do. I mean, that was an extraordinary... I mean, in a way, you know, I think uh, that's probably what led me to Doctor Who, even though it's a completely different sort of thing. Yeah. It sort of transformed my career as an actor and certainly transformed the way that I acted because the way that they do that show is they, they have a, a brilliant script uh, and... Uh, you have to do a sort of word-perfect version of that script, but then once you've shot that, you do a totally improvised version of the same scene, and then they cut the best bits together, uh, and they shoot it with uh, uh, zoom lenses, which means, you know, the camera could be way over there in the corner, but it might actually be, the image it might be getting, it might be a close-up this tight. So any ideas that I had about technique... Uh, had to be thrown out of the window. Because, you know, you think you develop a little technique. You think, oh, I hear them. They're putting on an 85-millimeter lens now or something, so I'll do an 85-millimeter lens performance. It's all rubbish. You know, you just have to be truthful. Uh, And so the show really broke all of my uh, notions of what technique was available to me uh, and threw me into this strange maelstrom of of swearing and and drama (laughs) and politics... Uh, and it kind of worked. And I think that sort of changed me completely as an actor and also uh, completely changed uh, casting directors' ideas of me uh, because I think they had uh, sort of forgotten about me a little bit and uh, suddenly I was doing this, uh, this, this, this evil uh, political sort of spin doctor um, who I could only really play because uh, life had roughed me up a little bit by that time. You know? Right. Uh, so I was able to uh, apply that to the, to the show. Did you ever feel, uh, I mean, see, you know, seeing what you're doing now and seeing, you know, what's going on, did you, did you, were you impatient along the way? Like, oh, I just want something. I want more. I want this. Or were you just happy to be... What do you mean out of my career? Yeah, just working pretty regularly. Or did you ever feel like, was, was, was think of it a type of a show... You're like, ah, finally, shit, yes, this is, this is what I've been wanting. Yeah, it sort of exploded. Uh, it, it, it was, you know, the most exciting thing about it was you'd be in a room with all of these hugely talented people, you know, with these writers and performers who were, you know, you, know, you don't tell a gag because they, they would have calculated, the, the, you know, the punchline. As soon as you said three guys, you know, they got the punchline. Right. Uh, and uh, so the level of wit just in the rehearsal room was, was terrifying. Uh, and then um, the actual process of shooting was one that, I mean, you know, we would just, the takes would be like 15 or 20 minutes long. You know, and, they'd, and Amanda would just keep making us work and work and work and work. And he never liked us to relax. He never liked us to rehearse. Uh, he would just put us into the situation. Uh, and that was a very radical way of working. But to be working with such talented people was, was, was the great joy of it. You know, I really believe um, in talent. I think that's what makes the difference. You know, a lot of people can take photographs, but there are only very few real photographers, you know, who have the eye to arrange the image in a certain way that uh, people, that, that resonates and people can make a connection with. And that's because they have a gift, which they, I've only cited photographers as, as a simple example. And it's the same with comedy or acting or painting or music or drawing, anything like that. It's having talented people around that uh, makes the difference. And that's why it's so important that the talent should be encouraged 
uh, and people should um, draw and make music and, and try to do things. I mean, I never knew that I, I, I was going to be any uh, have any success as an actor. Uh, I, I mean, people like Craig and I, for instance, just did stuff. We were in a band because it was stuff to do. You know, it was a way of being creative and trying to to make a world and create <laughs> terrible songs. And you know, <laughs> but it was a way of being uh, creative. And I think that that should be encouraged at all times. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, I, I have to say. And I know this is probably going to sound patronizing because you're sitting right in front of me, in front of this, but it's not. I absolutely love you as the doctor. I really do. It's, and I say this, I say this every time, and it's the same. It's the same sort of bittersweet thing that we all go through as as Doctor Who fans, where you you fall in love with one and then it's, they leave you and it's hard and you cry for a couple days and then, and then the new guy, you're a little like, you know, it's like if you, if you lose a pet. They make you watch it too. Like they make you watch they him. Make you they watch make you watch it. Yes, you, have, you witness it's it. It's not like they're like, Sean Connery, you're going to turn into Roger Moore now. But we're not going to see <laughs> and it. And then they shoot it. Yeah. They, there's no scene of Sean Connery going, I don't want to go. You know? <laughs> there's no scene <laughs> no, no, of that. Connery... <laughs> Connery would be, I can't fucking wait to leave. Uh, fuck this, fuck all you. Uh, but it's... It, and then you very quickly... <laughs> snort. You very quickly start to bond. Uh, and and I, I, I bonded with yours very fast. There, there's such a... The show took such a wonderfully dark turn and I feel like I feel like your doctor is he's he's ferocious and and he's almost seems like he's trying to work out who the fuck he is and what's going on it's like yeah. he almost seems angry it's like I don't fuck you know like yeah I think he is but yeah. that's you know that's really kind of you to say I really appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> I do I don't know what you're laughing at I do that's, I'm being sincere uh, I am uh, yeah, no, I think he is... Uh, the great thing about, uh, about the doctor is, I think, when he regenerates, he doesn't know who he is, you know. And I uh, absolutely love uh, what Matt did. I loved the way that he was a, a young guy with this strange old wise head on his shoulders. Uh, and David had this uh, fabulous sort of uh, romantic quality about him and really made the doctor uh, an accessible uh, person while still being an alien. And he was uh, brilliant. And, and Chris Eccles, I'm not going to go through them all, but, yes. <laughs> but I, mean, I think it's really important to talk about those, uh, what they did because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm only here because of them, because they made the show successful. Uh, and Chris Eccleston, you know, came to it when nobody knew whether it was going to be successful. And Chris Eccleston is a... Yeah, I mean, he's a... Uh, he's the real thing, you know. He's a highly respected, brilliant actor uh, who put himself out there uh, and could have been in a huge turkey. Of course. Uh, uh, but in fact, he, he brought Doctor Who back to life. Uh, so he deserves to be thanked for that. Um, 
Again, I've forgotten the question. It doesn't matter. Answer. Everything you say Does it is matter? great. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to, after our panel last <laughs> couple days ago, have, it was a couple days ago, right? What year is it? Uh, 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 1955. Oh. 1955. 1955. But <laughs> we're just referencing Back to the Future. Don't worry about it. Is that a it. thing? That's yeah. Back to the Future. All right. It's another, another uh, one of... Yeah. But I was lucky enough to... I, I got to have dinner with you, with you guys. Yeah. And, and so for me, it's very hard to... Because I want to I wanna be normal around you guys. But obviously, I'm a fan. And so it's hard for me to contain that. And I, I was fortunate enough to... I got to talk to Stephen Moffat for like an hour and a half about Doctor Who. And you think, oh, he's not going to want to talk about this. He talks about this all the time. And he just... He kept letting the conversation go and, and sort of connected to what you said about the doctors that came before you. Bless you. Or science. Whatever your belief system might be. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I had uh, I had dinner with Moffat two years ago, and all we talked about was World War II. Oh, you talking about World War II? <laughs> we talked about the Prisoner, and we talked about Doctor Who. And uh, and I told him I said, you know, I even loved seeing McGann like for a second in that little short, uh, the, the War Dog. And and uh, Stephen said, can I tell you, I absolutely loved that, and I thought he did such a wonderful job. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, I tried to get uh, Paul's belt. He wears a little snake belt, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, y- y- it won't probably mean anything to you guys, but to guys of Paul's the same age as me. Uh, and, and, and when we were little kids, we, th- these are the kind of belts we wore to school. And I, I thought it was very touching that that's what he had in his Doctor Who costume. And I tried to get, I, I did buy one uh, to put in my Doctor Who costume to wear under my jumper, but you, 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 never, you never see it. And then the costume department lost it. No. Uh, uh, because I wanted to do a little thing that was a, uh, that was a nod to him. Well, they well. can just go find another one for season nine for or season series nine, nine yeah, as, yeah. You, as you would yeah. say. We have a very tight budget. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, it opened up. They don't have to pay Clarkson anymore. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get a lot of extra money. Yeah. <laughs> so just... You know, my apologies because I know you've answered this a million times today and you've been so gracious to be here. I know we have to let you go in a second and we have to let you guys go because we have a second show. Um, but uh, what, what do you think people can look forward to in season nine? Um, I think it's, uh, uh, it's a big um, adventurous season. There's, I think uh, Clara and the Doctor have sort of got into a groove where they realize just how lucky they are to be together and uh, to have the whole of time and space available to them. So they, they go charging out there, throwing themselves in danger's way and being quite reckless. Uh, it's got a sort of cinematic sweep to it. it visually, it looks, it looks, it looks brilliant. Um, and I think, you know, two and a half thousand years of age, I think the doctor has realized that life is short. Uh, and... Uh, he, and, and uh, <laughs> He should enjoy himself. But of course, being as it's Doctor Who, it's not that simple. And there's something coming behind him that is going to uh, be very difficult for him to deal with. Well, I cannot thank you enough for being so gracious. I've done a few of these, and um, you're always so kind. Thank you. Congratulations, and honestly, all the best. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Capaldi! Thank you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Peter Capaldi. And. Ooh. Oh, and Ash. Ashley, would you please ask Peter Capaldi to sign the Chewbacca book? Okay, great. Thank you very much. Just find a page that has an open space and scribble inside. Guys. <laughs> Is this why you. T- Oh, man, Jonah's going to talk to B.D. Wong and merge them. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I got to get that in slow-mo. Yeah, ready? Won't be flattering. All right, here we go. Jonah, you're going to regret having this in the world. Yeah, yeah, ready. Great, thank you. I'm glad we did that. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm very glad. So, uh, as I said, there, there, there is a second show, but I, I feel like this wouldn't be... Uh, by the way, how was the Meltdown show? It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Uh, I heard Steve Young dropped by. Yeah, I did, I did a sketch with Steve Young. It was, uh, it was a good time. It was really fun. Thomas Middledish came and did it. It's, uh, it was a good way to let people know that the Meltdown is a show on Comedy Central, 12.30 a.m. on Tuesday nights, technically Wednesday yeah. morning. Nice. Slid it in. That's it awesome. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I st- haven't seen I, you this entire weekend. I have not. This is I, the first time you walking on stage. The first time. I know. Well, I went it. to the Nerdist party for uh, for a couple hours last night. Heard you were there. Did a loop. Didn't I see did you. several I, because yeah. I because I you know I just wanted I didn't want to be um, I wanted to be as present as possible because it was a very big it was a very big year for us. We announced a lot of things. We're distributing a movie called The Hive. Great movie, uh, which is really cool. Which which you which you saw and you oh. you're, you're friends with the guys and uh, um, we also. You know, um, it, it looks like the bowling show, All Star Bowling, is going to land at another network, but I can't say which one yet. Puny, um, talk about Puny. Pu- uh, Puny. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Puny, but Puny is an animation house that's run by our friend uh, Shaddy, who was on the podcast a couple years ago. Um, Shaddy uh, went through gender reassignment, and uh, it was a wonderful episode. And we've been friends for ages, and. And Puny is a phenomenal animation company. We did a, Mike Furman and I did a pilot with them for IFC several years back. and Done a lot the, of Yo Gabba Gabba stuff Yo there. Gabba Gabba, yeah. and then the opening to Super, James Gunn Super, they did. Yeah. And they, were, they do do a lot of different stuff. And so this opportunity came along, and so I just I bought half of Puny. So, uh, so the Nerdist is essentially the Borg. Huh? Well, Puny isn't Nerdist. It's me. I just it's, as it's, a, it's I'm Chris not Hardwick. Gonna, He's, it's not a subsidiary. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I mean, I, I just I just oh. wanted to invest in Shaddy and invest in Puny, and so I just bought half the company personally. It's, I'm not. I mean, obviously not going to. You know, I'm not going to be going back and forth to Minneapolis. Hey, buddy, it's going to no. be a little less gas in the Jaguar, right? You got to <laughs> tighten the belt a little bit. Let's, we have to put that to bed, Matt. We have to put I know, that to bed. If you get a different car, though. It'd okay. Be, all right. It'd be all more right. fun. Stop it. All right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I, so I'm very excited about that because I've, I've always, I've been, you know, animation was a very big deal to me my entire life. So we might, you went to school for it for a little bit. I did. I, I, well, I, you know, you couldn't major in animation at UCLA. I, you, you could take the classes, but you had to be a film major to actually major in animation. So, I mean, I, I tried to be a layout artist for Ren and Stimpy in the early nineties and I just, I was not that great of an artist. I thought I was good, and then I saw what real artists were like, and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm not that. I'll just yeah. tell dick jokes. Um, and so, uh, 
And so animation is very important. So you know, That's we're, we're going to make uh, we're going to make uh, hopefully cartoons and hopefully some maybe mobile gaming or I don't know. But it, I'm just excited and I love Shaddy, and so I'm just glad yeah. to I'm just glad to be able to be involved in that. But I feel like this would not be a uh, live Nerdist podcast at San Diego Comic Con if we didn't do a few. Uh, oh, no. We did a bunch did before some. you got here. It's but uh, you. They'll all be for you. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we took, we took our probably, questions. We got them out of the way. They're but all the you. people listening at home don't. They already heard. Good point. Yeah. No, I mean, they don't want to hear Quemens again. No, probably. they do. Oh, we're going to cut our Here's part the deal. out. They're cut our we're part not out. cutting out your Wasn't part. Wasn't good. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but now we've referred to it, so I feel like we're obligated to leave it in. Can Let I, it be shrouded in mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Did they do a good people job before I got here? People not got a lap dance. Interesting. Not the whole crowd. <laughs> no, people. People at home do like, not eh. need to hear about uh, Boston time traveling Batman. You know what? Amazing. The time but, traveling part was a, it was a bit of a jump. You know what though? But we have we have about ten minutes before we have to clear out the theater for the next. Get show, out so. there and get a real question. It's a question. It's a question. It's a question. It's a I see this young man has a question. Lights on. Nope. Okay, I'm kidding. It was a, yeah. Illuminate. Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, you, right no, here. Turn the house lights up. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, hello. Were you just looking for your seats? Or were you... Oh, okay. Great. Hello. Given one of them a wonderful lap dance earlier, wearing my 10th Doctor dress. That is really... I mean, like, I'm, like I have a semi. Wait for, wait for, wait for, now you're being real jealous. That guy gave Matt a lap tenth dance. Doctor dress. I'm sorry I said that as I'm squatting over you, ma'am. I just realized where I was. And I'm just facing this way, and no wonder you're clutching your purse like this. I apologize profusely. Yes, sir. So the punchline is, I'm a perfect 10. Yes! Oh, genius! I can't believe I missed that. I like that. Thank you, sir. Uh, what is your name? More of a comment, or a comment. Um, I just want to say thank you for getting me through, you know, there was a tough time last year, and it really meant a lot to me, this and Doctor Who and the ProU podcast. I uh, wanted to give you each individual individualized guests, but I, there are so many of you, so I got you these, if you can give Well, there's just three of us, really. Well, he also you said the pro-you, Katie which is Kyle. Me and Katie yes. and Kyle and everyone. And the rest! No. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, you are pretty fucking awesome. That is all. Oh, that's awesome. They're just little messages that say, hey, you, you're pretty fucking awesome. And I feel like we should, we can, like, give these out to people as well. Oh, thank you. Anyone you deem equally as awesome as yourself. Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet you. I'm going to give you one to take away. All right. I like how that works. Yes, sir. Chris, for talking, my, okay. my name is Graham. I uh, come from the same area as Peter Capaldi. Uh, Kentucky? I'm kidding. Uh, well, Swiss. It's little... <laughs> Listen, thank you very much for the uh, life advice you're putting in your podcasts. Ben Kingsley talked about uh, the, uh, the curse of immortality. At 19, I died in that satellite town Peter Cabaldi spoke of, Cumbernauld. Re- First of all, you look amazing. Really? Yeah. It was a bad day. It was bad things happened. You see the bumps on my forehead? Uh, not really, you, but you I see, see a little yeah. bit of them. That's yeah. fractured skull. Jesus. Uh, it was actually a factory Craig Ferguson worked in at one point as well. But it's, so he's responsible. Sort of, yeah, yeah. But uh, the whole Doctor Who thing as well. Uh, when you've when you've gone through something, I have a survivor. You see people pass, 
like the doctor sees companions passing. And it's, it becomes very difficult to deal with in the real life. But watching Peter, Peter, people like Peter Capaldi dealing with that as a doctor, Matt, King, Matt Smith, rather, Ben Kingsley, whoever, it helps. And your life advice things help. Morgan Freeman, uh, people like that, anyone you talk to with ideas about how to get through a better day. And I had such a great speech planned out, but it comes up. I think you're doing great. Are it's you kidding? Good, man. By the way, I nailed it. By the way, I just want to tell you just how charming you are. If you had an American accent, people would be like, move along. But because you're so charming to listen to and so sincere and so Thank wonderful. You. And so I, I, I mean, we appreciate that. Because, I mean, obviously it's fun for us to come and fuck around and like dick around and, oh, we're making silly wiener jokes and stuff. But, you know, we, these are conversations. We're just trying to work shit out too. So they, they are as meaningful to us, hopefully, as they are to you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris, and keep up the great work. Matt, Jonah, great guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thank you for living. Thank you for living. Enjoy your burrito as well. What, it's really zombie. hard to follow. Yeah, what are you, you going to do now? Actually, I do have something I thought of. Dude, I took a shit in the shape of the TARDIS. What? <laughs> and it, it made the same noise. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't do it. Perfect. You get points for that joke. Uh, so this is actually one that I thought about, and it's an open question for all of you guys. Uh, because of selfless, if you were to uh, cha- or transfer your consciousness into not only one of Ben Kingsley's characters, but the entire world that it's in, Fillmore. Would it be? <laughs> Beautiful callback to something Chris didn't see. Yeah, sorry. I'm so in the dark. <laughs> Just giant smile on his face, but like dead in the eyes. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> See, now we're going to have to leave your parts in because that callback's not going to make any sense I think, otherwise. Here's, what, here's how I think we should do it, uh, those listening right now. If you stay tuned, you'll hear the first part of the show. Because that way we don't have to like, bother the people who don't give a shit about us. I think us. you're not Ooh, giving yourself enough credit. I think you're not giving at the yourself end, like enough credit. Like a Quentin credit. Tarantino movie. Yeah. Uh, what right. is this? So it's a little bit of a shameless plug. You guys put our game on your website's Ghostbusters game and we wanted, we just got some new figs and I wanted to bring them for you so you can have them. Oh my god, it's an Ecto and it's, it's a, a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Stay Puft and cool stuff. And two, um, Jonah, you played Tabletop, you played Epic Spell Wars and you were Faye Ticklebottom the Enchanted. Faye Ticklebottom, that's right. I, the whole time I'm just hearing it in my voice. Um, <laughs> would you mind doing the voice again? I'm trying to remember what I did. My voice is so thrashed. <laughs> uh, it's like, like, oh, it's Tickle bottom, I'm so sorry. It's, that's just Ed Grimley, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah, I was in the moment, and now I'm not, and I'm sorry. Okay, it, you know what? We watched the episode. Yeah. I bet it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just Thanks. So. Thank you so much for bringing these. I really appreciate it. Hello. What's your name? Hi, Melanie. Hey, Melanie. What's your question? Um, I really love the Nerdist Way, the book. And I just wanted to say for all of you guys, for no one who's read the book, FYI, pick it up. It's awesome. Um, Fucking do it. Yeah. Um, So for those who haven't read it, if each of you had a tip to give to everyone for following their dreams and finding their success, what would you tell them really quick? Um, You know, the simplest answer that I feel like we always keep coming back to on this show is just doing it. Like, there's there's no magic... Like, no one comes out with a, you know, shoots a gun in the air and goes, 
boom, go. Like you just have to, you just have to make the decision. You have to make the decision. I heard someone say once that, you know, uh, I mean, and I, I took Latin, so I actually know this to be true. That etymologically deciding, is you're cutting off other possibilities. So you just have to cut off the other possibilities and just focus on the one that you want to do. And then you just keep doing it until it fucking works. And if it doesn't work right away, you learn what went wrong and you figure it out. And then sooner or later, it doesn't... It's not like there's a magical point where you're like, I just made it across the... I mean, like me being here and doing all these panels... It's not like I went, I think I'm qualified to do the Star Wars panel. Like, it just, I was just there, and all of a sudden it fucking happened, and it was as weird to me as it was to anyone that I was up there, and it just was the sum total of a lot of decisions that I made that were hopefully in the direction of things that I wanted. So I think that's the best advice that I can give. If that's helpful. Ditto. It is. And um, right now, I really want to take a selfie. So can oh, okay. I... We can't uh, start a whole line, but, I, but you're so sweet that I... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right, good. Thank you. And we'll just get through these last, uh, last few people, and then a little bit. Hello. Name's Steven. Uh, anybody else was here last night for the show? I was. Yeah. Well, you told this incredible story about how you're scared of heights. Yes. I am too, so I sympathize with you about how you got up this hill and, and with your girlfriend and you, you were afraid about letting her know. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. And you told this immaculate story how you got up there and you made it to the top. But you left one thing out. What? How the hell did you get back down? <laughs> did, I, I do have an answer for you. Helicopter. Yep, yep. <laughs> we, um, the, where we were driving... Once you drove up this mountain, we were at a different elevation, so we didn't have to go back down. You know, back down's... No, it's pretty fucking scary, actually, yeah. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still terrified that someday she's, uh, Lydia's going to go, let's just drive up the one, which to me, the, ca- the one is a treacherous oh, stretch of road. It's awful. When you're getting, like, right before... When you, when you were in between, like, um, San Luis Obispo, San Obispo and, and San Francisco and, and, and Big Sur. And, and it's, it's just like you're a fucking mountain goat. Yeah, you in a really car. are. And you hear these stories where they're like, oh, yeah, a chunk of the road just broke off. Yeah. And it's yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah, so I didn't actually have to get back down, so... Is that worth a selfie? Okay, sure, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> there are just signs warning you on the one that part nice, of the road may much. fall from beneath may you. May fall. That's all right. What is your name? Leslie. What's your question? Um, actually, um, I, my best friends and I have something for Matt Myra. You do? What is it? Um, is a uh, poster, Whoa. and it's called uh, Line by Line, and um, the artist uh, did uh, 007, but it's made out of the whole entire script from Skyfall. What? Oh, Holy shit. That's really cool. This is amazing. Look at that. Oh, shit. shit. That is fucking awesome. This is the script of Skyfall, and, it's in the sh- and, and there's a little bit of negative space where it's Daniel Craig. Right there. That's oh, fucking amazing. That's crazy. Where's, where's my gift? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait. This I bet one, it's going to be one. so good, guys. Can I get this one? Oh. This is amazing. Interior, turkey, bomb, we Ronson's down. We were trying down. to find something for you. We didn't know what to get you. Or, or uh, but, um, you figured it out. I did, yeah. Um, but I was wondering if you think you ask such great questions because you've been in therapy for so long. <laughs> I don't know if I ask great questions. I just ask curious questions. And I, and I have been in therapy for a long time, and I feel like therapy is good. Even if you don't feel like you're... Even if you don't feel... And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Even if you don't feel like, well, there's nothing wrong with me. It's so good 
to have someone that you can talk to once a week without fear of judgment, where you can just say, you need to get that out. It's like, exor- it's like physical exercise. You need, you, know, you need to do that. You need to, you need to clear out the brain pipes, and that's a, that's a great way to do it. So it's very important. Yes. Thank you for Holly. Thank you very much for being there. I really appreciate it. This okay, is amazing, come... by the way. I'm still reading it. It's the whole thing. Yeah, that's Matt's whole night right there. So I need to ask you your favor. Please. So I'm doing a scavenger hunt. Yes. And I need you to say these lines, if you can. And I need to get you on video. Okay. I, I, I don't know what I'm about to read. I could be committing something horrible to video right now. <laughs> And furthermore, fuck all the babies in the world. No, what? I knew it. Uh, okay, you ready? I, did you want Flash in the video? I am Chris Hardwick, and I just won Karma 10,000 points in the Wikiest Scavenger Hunt. This, oh wait, can you turn it back on? Oh, you think you did it. I hope that worked out. I, I, see a little, I see a little video thing there. Yeah, I did it. Chris, one more time with feeling. Oh. <laughs> That's Hello. the best episode of Buffy ever. What's <laughs> yeah, it's a good reference. Oh, you got it. Good. I was going to do a disclaimer and say, uh, this does not actually count as 10,000 karma points. <laughs> Here you go. Congratulations. I hope you win a thing. Uh, what are, what are you going to win in the scavenger hunt? Um, I think it's, uh, I don't know. Okay, good. All right. All right. Um, well, uh, I think maybe just time, time for one more question. I'm so sorry. You got, what? I just want to say a quick thank you because uh, listening to you and reading the book and everything, uh, my friend and I, we started a podcast. We've been going two and a half years, and we're closing in on 100 episodes. Nice. The centennial post-apodoclipse. Nice. Oh, you are very welcome. All right, thank you. Hi, I'm Chase, and I have a question for you. Will well, you... I may have an answer. Will you please be my stepdad? Uh, <laughs> how does your mom feel about that? I'm sure she's on board with it. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to fuck everyone's moms. We did, earlier. Okay, I kind of did a little bit. Chris, we're getting the light from the venue back here, so... All right. uh, You better fuck his mom. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you so much. Uh, Tell mom I'll be home later. Stay off drugs, eat your peas. Keep your hands off your pecker all day long, son. You only get so many... What? Oh, yeah, you guys. Good to see you guys again. Thank you so much for coming. I just want to, again... um, uh, I, I don't want to sound too schmaltzy. I don't want to sound... I, I don't... I, but the experience of being at Comic-Con every year, it is a lot of work, but it's also very meaningful to me because this is a safe zone for all of us. And being able to be part of the celebration and part of the fandom and getting to present things to you means the world to me. So I'm sorry I was scattered this week and late to some things, but I cannot thank you enough for coming out to the Nerdist Podcast Live tonight with Peter Capaldi, Sir Ben Kingsley, Jonah Ray, Chris Hardwick, everybody. Enjoy your burrito! Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. 
Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.